Peter. Morning, church family. Uh, this uh, sermon's not going to be my most popular sermon, I don't think. Romans 1, 24 to 32. Uh, last week, Matt was preaching, and we saw that man takes the truth of God, and then he suppresses that truth. And uh, over the week, I was thinking about what that would look like in, you know, like in the movies, when they, uh, they have a pistol, and then they put the suppression onto the, the silencer, onto the pistol, so when they shoot somebody... I, now I'm not saying you should watch violent movies, you know, but uh, they put the silencer on and it suppresses the sound. Um, so it should be making a sort of sound, but the silencer uh, blocks out the sound, suppresses the sound from being made. And last week we looked at that's what man does with the evidence of God. Man takes all this evidence that is screaming at them from internal, the, the senses, the as we call it, this sense of divinity, the sense of deity that we have within us, that there is a God. And then the creation outside of us is like neon lights and shouting everywhere that there is a God with whom we have to do. But it's like we put on blindfolds and noise cancellation earphones to block out the sight and the noise of the reality of God. We have become willingly blind. We have willingly put ourselves in the dark. And more than that, we actively run away from God. That's what it says here. We have actively run away from him. We didn't just deny him. We eagerly want to be away from God. God is light, but we crave the darkness. God is light, but we crave death. God is good, but we crave evil. God is whole, but we crave brokenness. God is freedom, but we crave bondage. And we wanted it. And I was thinking about it's like a, you see when people are trying to walk their dog, and uh, like when the, when the dog's trying to get away, and they're trying to hold it back, and you know, I think you thought that's enough, and they're the dog, and, and uh, it's just, it's just, it's like pulling the lead, it's all in the pulling, and uh, this whole idea, it just does not want to be with you, it just wants to be somewhere else, and then um, that's that's humanity, that's what we were like, we just want to be away from God, and we want to be away. And so the question what we have this morning for verse 24 to 32 is, how does God treat a humanity like this? How does God treat a humanity who does things like this, who just wants to be away from him? So again, uh, just for the full outline in the introduction, chapter 1, verse 117, which is introduced to the letter uh, of the Romans, or to the Romans. And then we're in this, we're in this section now, chapter 1, verse 18, to chapter 3, verse 20. Because Paul told us in verse 16 to 17 that there's good news. Uh, there's a gospel. God's righteousness has been revealed from heaven. The power of the gospel has been given to us. But the good news only makes sense if we add the bad news. You ever heard you know, in the whole, whole thing of like, uh, I've got some good news and some bad news. Which one are you first? And uh, sometimes the good news is really good. The bad news is like, is awful. Like, uh, I'm sorry. The bad news is we're going to have to amputate your leg. Okay, and the good news is we got a pack of Smarties for you. And you're like, what? But sometimes it's really good. The bad news is your kidneys are failing. And the good news is we find someone willing to give you a kidney. You see how it, like, the bad news helps the good news makes uh, made a lot of sense. And so Paul, from verse 18 to chapter 3, verse 20, is just telling us the bad news. What is humanity like? Why do we need the gospel? Why do we need to see here? And so, so far, last week, and uh, we looked at unbelief. In verse 18 to verse 23, uh, that was showing us that, that we don't believe the evidence, not because there's a lack of evidence, but because we don't want to believe there's a God. And this morning, verse 24 to 32, God then 
gives us that. God gives us what we want. That's what we're going to look at this morning. God gives us what we want. So what has God done with the humanity who rejects him? According to Paul, he gives us exactly what we wanted. And this is what it means by the wrath of God is revealed. Verse 18 says the wrath of God is revealed. And we're left asking the question, what is, what is the wrath of God? What does it look like to be under the wrath of God? And according to this passage of scripture, it's to be given over to what we want. When God gives us what we want here in this passage, that's the wrath of God. We're going to see more of his wrath in chapter 2. But one part of his wrath is to say, if that's what you want, have it. If you create the darkness, have the darkness. If you want bondage, have bondage. And he gives us what we want. Three times Paul uses the words, God gave them God gave them up. Verse 24, it says, God gave them up to uncleanness. Verse 26, God gave them up to foul passions. And in verse 28, God gave them over. God gave them up to a debased mind. You might think, what's so bad about getting what we want? Like, I like getting what I want. Don't you like getting what we want? The answer is, because what we want as fallen human beings is destructive. What we want destroys us. Everyone knows that there's something wrong with the world. Everybody knows that at the moment. There's something broken about our world that we live in. It's society is broken. The family is broken. Our lives are broken. And the reason it's all broken is because we all crave and desire something that will ultimately destroy us. Being given over to our desires might seem great at first, but it's, it's not so great. And we see that a few times in Scripture. Uh, in Hosea, for example, uh, the, the Ephraim, who one of the tribes of Israel, who spoke to worship God, they just this nation under covenant with God to be in right relationship with Him, to know the true God, and instead they're worshiping false gods. And look at God says in Hosea, Ephraim is joined to idols, lead them to it. That's what God said, let him have his idols. And you know what's going to come next for Ephraim? What's coming next is. This tribe of Israel who was meant to be devoted to God, who's the source of life and light and abundance and peace and goodness, served idols instead. And so they're left with emptiness, lifeless, powerless, dead gods. And God says, that's what they want. Let them have it. Leave them be. And when an invaded nation comes to take Ephraim away, their false gods, who they wanted, could rescue them. They got what they wanted, but it was awful. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, these religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, are, are arguing with him and twisted everything he says. And Jesus says this, leave them alone. Let them get on with it. They're blind leaders of the Just leave them to it. That's what Jesus says. Like, it's not that he's saying, don't invite them to come to him, right? But he's saying, that's what they want. Let them have that. They, they hated him. They were hypocrites and they thought they were superior to everyone else. They rejected Jesus' clear teachings and invitations. They willingly remained blind. You hear this? They willingly remained blind. And so Jesus said to his followers, if that's what they want, let them have it. Leave them be. And they remained blind and led their followers towards more blindness, darkness, and death. You don't want to get what you want. This morning's outline is simply uh, following these three times that Paul says God gave them up. This is the outline for this morning, verse 24 to 25, 26 to 27, 
23, 2, when God says, or when, when Paul says, God, give him up. God, give him up. God, give him up. And what we're going to see each time is there's these three steps that, that takes place in humanity's uh, fall from knowing that God's complete sin. And uh, step one is we exchange, right? We, we know that God, God might, but we know the one and want something else. And so we exchange God for something else, right? We exchange God for idols. We exchange the truth for lies. Step two is God says, that's what you want? Have it. And God gives us up to it. says, yeah, you have it. You want that? Yeah. Step three, how we live as a result of getting what we want. How we end up living our lives then as a result. So number one, verse 24, 25, impure desires. Impure desires and in order to see step one we just have to go to where Matt's preaching last week verse 23 you see this exchange so what's the exchange it says in verse 23 they change the glory of the incorruptible unchangeable God into an image so there's this exchange the truth that we knew about God we suppress that truth in verse 18 we could have worshipped the glorious unchanging God but instead, we swapped him for worshiping idols and false gods. This exchange that takes place in verse 23. So, verse 24, God gives us what we want. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. God gives us what we wanted. We had impure desires, and God says, have it your way. Have it your way. And the word for impure here, or uncleanness, is the idea of rotten and putrid and festering, like an open wound or a, a corpse. It's just this running thing that we wanted. And God says, if you want that running thing instead of me, have it. And then that leads to, what does that lead us to? Step three, it leads to dishonor. God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust, the desires of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So what did we do with our vile passions, our impure desires, we took these bodies, which are gifts from God. We were made to reflect our God and be like him in all that we do, but instead we dishonor what God wants. We were meant to honor and value our bodies and honor and value one another's bodies, but we dishonor them instead. We use our bodies to sin and rebel, and we see other people's bodies as as reasons and tools to use for sin and rebellion instead of for serving God and serving each other. And, and Paul's delicately hinting at the idea of your sexual sin, but it's all sin with the body. It's dishonorable. This body is meant to be used for honor. It's an honorable thing. It's an honorable vessel. And we use it instead to sin. But we get to the second one, and he's a little bit less uh, subtle in verse 26 to 27 where it says we're given over to dishonorable passions. Dishonorable passions. So step one, we exchange. Verse 25 says, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. We know the truth of God. We know there's a God. We know according to verse 18 and verse uh, 18 onwards, we know who he is. We know his divine power. We know his Godhead. We know he's the creator. But we exchange that truth for a lie and we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen so we were created to worship and serve god 
And then he recruited after that. We, we worshiped the star God, and then we rule over and subdue the earth. Right? And then we, we reflect God by doing that. So we submit to God, the righteous, the gentle king, and then we, like him, we then rule and subdue the earth. I'm going to preach that way. That's what's meant to happen in Genesis 1 to 3. Instead, we choose to reject God and we worship and serve and are ruled by and subdued by creation instead. So the stuff that we're to rule now rules us. The stuff that we're supposed to subdue now subdues us. Do you see that? That's what's saying here. And uh, think about uh, food. We're not going to rule food. Food rules us. And alcohol. We're going to rule alcohol. Alcohol rules us. And we run the things of creation where we're doing a, a, a series with the teens at the moment. Like, we're not going to be for our problems, not be mastered by our problems. But the stuff of creation rules us. Money rules us. People are ruled by creation instead of ruling over it. Because that's what we choose. Churches. We choose to exchange God for lives. So God gives us what we want. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. God gave us what we wanted. Shameful, disgraceful passions is what it means here, which ruled us instead of us ruling them. Let's be honest this morning. How many times this week, from Sunday to Sunday, were you ruled by your emotions and your desires? Right? Yeah. And you felt angry and you acted like and you felt worried, and you passed that out, and you felt lost, and you just acted, we wanted something, you just acted. How many times? We were supposed to rule over it subdued. Where I said, we're ruled it subdued by our desire, feelings, and emotions. And that's what we wanted. So step three leads to us living contrary to how God would have us behave. It says in verse 26, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. And the man left the natural use of the woman and burned in their lust for one another, man with man committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. We took God's gift of sex and we twisted it and used it in ways contrary to what God intended for it. We abandoned God's good design and we crossed his good, clear, and safe boundaries. We transgressed. It's the idea of transgressing is we go beyond the boundaries of what he had for his good gift. And this, of course, in verse 26 to 27, this is why it's going to be the least popular sermon I've ever preached. This is same-sex relationships that it's talking about here. Now, please don't get it twisted. Paul is not saying that same-sex relationships are the worst thing a person can ever do. What, he, what Paul's been doing so far is he's picking themes. First of all, he picked the theme of the body. This body, which was made for honor, to be treated with value and worth and dignity, is gone all the way to the extreme of being used for dishonorable things. Right? Being treated in worthless. And then he takes this theme of sex, and he says the sex which was created for marriage between a man and a woman is pulled and twisted all the way. And one of those ways it's pulled and twisted is with same-sex relationships. But before we think we're off the hook, 
Paul has so much more to say from verse 28 to 32. And to be honest with you, verse 28 to 32 is where it just gets me right in the heart. So, verse 20 to 32, our third point then is the based minds. The based minds. Step one, we exchange. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. We had the knowledge of God, but we pushed it out. We put on the noise cancellation network. We put on the article. We don't want to think about you, God. We don't want to retain you in our minds. We want to have no thoughts of you. And so God says, have what you want. God gave them over to a debased mind. The problem with not wanting God in your minds, right? This is the issue of not wanting God in your minds, is that God is the source of truth. So if you don't want God in your mind, you don't have truth in your mind. And God is the source of the light. And the source of what's right, and the source of what's good, and he's the source of logic, and he's the source of reason. So when we say we don't want God in our thoughts, we want all goodness, and all truth, and all logic, and all reason, and all light, we want it of us. And what are we left with then? Well, we're left in verse 28, we're left with minds that are debased, minds that are worthless, empty thoughts is the idea. We could have full thoughts, and we're left instead with empty thoughts. We get what we wanted from God. And then what does that lead to? Verse 28 to verse 32. It leads to us living lives that are unfitting. Not what they were supposed to be doing. Not living the way that they were meant to be lived. And what we're going to see once again in verse 28 to 32, it's how humanity treats one another. This sounds interesting. In all verses so far, in this whole passage, we reject God with the, the vertical relationship, and then we do something destructive towards one That's what we have to do, right? So we, we reject God vertically. We don't want anything to do with you. And then I'm supposed to treat your body with honor and value. My own body with honor and value. And so I treat bodies as if they're worthless. As if they're just tools and then opportunities for me. Yeah. You see, and so what we're going to see here, verse 32, is we were made to love one another. Why don't we have to love God and receive everything for getting? And then instead of that, I receive everything for free shot. You're either optimal in my life or you're opportunity to That's what you become. So I'm not getting it from him, I need to get it from something. And I'll try and get it from you. So you're on the opportunity in my life to get what I want. So I'll be buttoning up to you because you make me feel free to make things. Or you're obstacle to or you push it away and distract me. We're gonna see that here in verse 2032. It's just rotting. I I receive from God and I give out to other people is meant to be what happens to you. Receive his love and I love, I receive his mercy, I show mercy, I receive his patience and I give patience. And Sam, I seek it on the beings of earth. And one of those scripts I've used recently for the prior was like shaking bubbles satisfaction. Might as well float the bubble delivery of Joe Collison. Jolly, satisfaction, and hope, peace, perfect, Like just all these little bubbles. And you reach for one, you stretch for one, you climb up the ladder, and you were out for it. And what happens when you grab a bubble? It's hot. And then you do next. Another one, and you went for that one instead. Oh, 
And he's got a pretty clock. You can see his eyes are on the Nothing that you hear about it. You hear people that that way. You stop in that way. You creation in that way. And at least to verse 23, how foolish. Beast of mine, I tend to align with the shade bubbles for satisfaction. And if you know, you know, when you get what you want, guys, when you get what you want, this is truly satisfied. When you get your thing, when you get the thing, you chase. And you've got to be there. You know that one will be better. There's this hardly insane feel for any of Sad. It wasn't enough. I need something else. And we go something up. The base energy, here's how we're just thinking. So let's look at what that leads to. We end up with lives then filled, as we're going to see here, with chaos and confusion and friction and hatred. It's just awful. Humans who are created to love God and love one another are now consumed with selfish hatred for each other instead. If we follow the flow of thought then from verse 28 onwards, we do those things which are not fitting. Verse 29, we are filled. And halfway through verse 29, full of. And then towards the end, we are these people. So verse 28, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, and maliciousness. What's that telling us? It says this, we are filled with greedy, craving, grasping, never satisfied desires, which lead to us being filled with deep hatred for one another. So awful a description of humanity. Filled with greedy, craving, grasping. And then it goes on, we are full of, we are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and evil-mindedness. Envy is, I hate you because you've got what I want. Murder is, I hate you and I want to hurt you. Strife is, I hate you and I have broken divisive relationships as a result of my hatred. Deceit is, I hate you and so I'm going to lie to you. Evil mind is, I hate you, and I will never forgive you, and I will get my revenge. Hate, 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 hate. Titus says in Titus chapter 3, we spend our lives hating and being hated by one another. And then it goes on in verse 28. Sorry, verse 29. They are. They are. And it starts to describe what we are as humans. Whispers and backbiters. What's whispering and backbiting? Whispering is private slander and gossip, and backbiting is public slander and gossip. We just love talking bad about one another. We just love it. We're addicted to this. We love talking evil about one another, but both pink and even publicly as well. Haters of God, and violent, it says. What does that mean? It means we hate God and we hate one another. Haters of God and violent towards others. We hate God and we hate one another. It goes on and it says, proud and boasters. Proud and boasters. What does that mean? 
Secretly, we think we're better than everybody else. And publicly, we're quite prepared to let you know. That's what boasting is. I'm better than you. I got more money than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm better looking than you. I got more muscles than you. Whatever it is. I think secretly I'm better than you. And I book shit. I'll let you know that I'm better than you as well. It goes on to say, inventors of evil and disobedient to parents. Guys, those of you who are like living at home, Paul's right there. This is the dark list of humanity, and he throws in there disobedient to parents, also wickedness. Inventors of evil and disobedient. How do they come together? Inventors of evil means we invent things that are against God's good order. Disobedient to parents means. We're rebellious against God's good order. We've lived contrary to it and we rebel against it as well. It says, undiscerning and untrustworthy. Undiscerning and untrustworthy. It means this, completely unreliable in doing good to ourselves or to others. Completely unreliable. And then it finishes it all off. Unloving. Un forgiving, unmerciful. Verse 32 then says this, they who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things deserve death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. What verse 32 says this, we know that God gets all this. We know it. Every human being on this planet knows a bunch of things according to God's word. Let God be true to every matter of fire. Every human on this planet knows there's a God and knows that he hates sin and knows there's judgment. That's what Romans 1 says. Inspired by God, we know the hearts of men. Every being knows there's a God, knows sin is safe, and knows there's judgment for sin. And it says here that they know the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things deserve death. They know it's evil. They know it's wickedness. They know and yet they continue in it. Not only do they do the same, they continue in it, knowing it's evil, but they approve of those who practice it. They celebrate and approve of others entering into this sin with us. That's what it beast our minds have become. Though we know it's wrong, and we run with it, and we just love watching other people when heaven went to death and destruction with us. Blind leaders of this is all just so awful. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the line, Lewis in the wardrobe, he said, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done, or those to whom God says, thy will be done. And what we're seeing in Romans 1, 18, 32, it's those to whom God says, if that's what you want, huh. he also says this, the lost enjoy forever horrible freedom they have demanded and are therefore self-instilled. So awful. They enjoy forever the horrible freedom that they have demanded. Freedom from God. Freedom from his commands. Freedom from the light and from truth and from life and are therefore self-instilled. Shackled to death. This is what we wanted. This is what we craved. This is what we exchanged God for. This is what we walked away from life and light for. And this is what we demanded from him. 
and this is what we got, and this is what we're stuck in. And everyone around us, you don't have to look very far at all to see broken lives, broken hearts, broken minds, broken families, and broken homes. And we are addicted to all of it, totally addicted to all of this. We can see how destructive it is, how little it truly satisfies us, and yet we just keep going back to it over and over and over again. So man's basically good, right? That's what they say. We're basically, man's basically good. And Paul's like, amazing grace, how sweet the sound is here. Basically a good person like a wretch like me. Although we deserve, I want to get the good news because this is heavy. Although we deserve to be completely given over to death, destruction, and hell. And God did give us a word of this stuff. Right? He gave us over. And thank you, did he just completely abandon us then? He gave us over to this and he's abandoned us forever? No, God has still been working in human history to bring us back to him, completely unworthy as we are. One more passage before we wrap it up. Acts 14, verse 15 to 17. I've been doing this a few times in this. Check this out. The living God who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that's in it. Look what he's done. In bygone generations, he had like all the nations to walk in. He gave them what they want. He gave them what they want. That's what you want. He had like all the nations to go their own ways. But then look what it said after this. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness. In that he did what? To these rebellious humans? He did to he did good ducks. Even in that sexual condition. He gave us rain from heaven. He gave us fruitful seasons. And look at God did to valleys humanity. He filled the hearts with food. Every time you had anything at all, whether it's whether you're a Christian or not, God's been so beautiful and gave me that little plot. So that's, this does not describe the world. This is not just the world outside, right? This is me. I know I said they a lot. But this is not all accountable but wasn't for Jesus Christ. This is huge for salvation. So how do we wrap this up? Therefore, in 2024, number one, as we read passages like this, free is God. How, how wonderful is the gospel to take people like that and rescue them. That, that Jesus would come and die on the cross for people like people like I'm friends, I'm everything on everything you just read is me. And Christ went cross and died this and took my wrath and said at the end of his life, what did he say? And he rose in the and trusted in Christ. Then he said, Well, your and your feet, and your still right, and your sins, they aren't any. But it's cheap. So we praise God for the gospel that we have such a gospel that the Spirit of God takes that people who were 
slowly, by faith, right quickly, one half long into that, and extraction and bondage, and spirit of God would say, Come, but open your eyes and eyes and see. And and he would walk me the side of the and receive them. This is you, like Jesus. So, friends, praise God for the gospel. You deserve nothing. You're entitled to nothing. And you have everything. That's it, folks. Don't you trust God for the gospel? No matter if you're not a Christian in this room this morning, no matter how little you are, Jesus reaches for a box still. No matter how far along the path of stubborn rebellion you've walked, Jesus wants to take you, cleanse you, and make you new, and give you a fresh start. There are people in this room who in the last year can say, it's true, because he took me in last year. He took me in this year, and he's rescued and he's restored me. We as Christians, we don't think we're better than you. We've just been rescued before you. And we're saying, come and experience that rescue as well. We're calling you to come and experience the power of the gospel. And if you are a Christian, slow it. And again, as I said at the start service, you've had a, a maxi week, a week of failure and brokenness and destructive choices. Trust not the gospel. You can come back. Come and receive the mercy. Come and have your shoulder. Come and be dusted off. Set back on your feet again to your Father who loves you. Trust God for the gospel. Amen.